here. Center you. <clears throat> Not even a comment on it anymore. All right. So now remember, uh, two weeks ago we we had introduced looking at self creation, um, and now we're on the second half of that looking at creation by chance. Okay. Now in the beginning, just to start off, I want to give homage to R.C. Sproul. I know I've spoken of him before, but I can't overemphasize enough about, like, ev pretty much everything we do, is particularly in this course, has largely been influenced by him and Augustine and other people who have come before him. But th today is all from his book and all from him. And again, I just can't tell you how indebted I am to him and so I just wanted to make that a point at the outset again today is pretty much all going to be exclusively from him and so when I talk about all this stuff so I don't just have to keep on saying you know R.C. Sproul said this and R.C. <laughs> just at the outset this whole session is going to be basically from R.C. Sproul um, so and he's the one who wrote this book uh, not a chance this is the one I was mentioning um, and basically what he was looking at was uh, the concept of chances mod in modern cos uh, cosmology and cosmogony as we discussed um, and what provoked this book was he, he was examining kind of difficult scientific theories that people are articulating now uh, in modern science um, that that uh, that they're dealing with like subatomic subatomic particles, light, uh, quantum mechanics, and so forth. Uh, but before we continue, let's look at the the four possibilities we've uh, been discussing. The first one, remember, was an illusion, and we've eliminated that one. The second one is self-creation, and remember, two weeks ago we we did away with this in principle. Remember, and so we've done away with that one. <laughs> All right, so. Um, uh, and remember, again, two weeks ago I had said the most frequent form of self-creation uh, is that by chance, or the, uh, basically attributed to the power of something called chance, uh, or chance creation. Okay, at the outset I also want to say, because two weeks ago I should have made this more clear, I'm not a physicist, as you all well know. <laughs> I'm not even really a scientist in the modern respect of the term. Um, and for whatever reason, I can read very profound, very deep uh, philosophical uh, uh, information and, and books and all that kind of a thing. But when it comes to science, when I hear like something like subatomic subatomic particles and all the rest, like I can get a little intimidated. I don't really know uh, these particular things. Uh, however, so and subatomic particles is a taxonomical term so taxonomy is uh, something that scientists use you know classifying different species giving names to um, life you know living creatures as well as plants and all of that kind of a thing and taxonomy actually started in the garden remember God had commanded Adam to name all the creatures so that is a divine that's part of man's dominion and I what part of my opinion with science is this is largely where they've broken down using certain taxonomy that's illogical that's irrational we're going to see that i just want to kind of uh, say that at the outset taxonomy is a god-ordained um, command is that the ice man okay we've always got to have something <laughs> all right um yeah, and which I hope to show with a few examples. Now, I don't need to be a physicist to examine 
what they're saying so truth claims basically um about what they're what they're saying as to the conclusions of their experiments uh i also don't pr presume to correct what they're learning in the laboratory as well nor do i seek to put a barrier or I, I, or, or you know i'm trying to stop them from uh continuing the experimentation i think science is worthy uh science i think uh chemistry i think even well, physics, quantum physics is a little iffy, uh, but we'll look at that. Um, yeah, and again, all I'm saying is, as we've discussed briefly, remember what I would say. What I was saying is, modern science seems to use one half of the scientific method, the induction, inductive uh, part, and then they leave out the deductive part. And so that's what we're. That's what I'm uh, focused chiefly focused on my only beef with the physicists isn't in their experimentation it's what they say based on what they uh, they conclude based on the uh the uh um their experimentations again i don't have to be a physicist to uh, examine the coherency or the cogency of what they're saying that's something philosophers major in logic okay this is and again we we're going to see this uh, again, and so when our, when physicists or scientists explain their experiments in, in an absurd way, that's where the philosopher has to come in and blow the whistle and say, basically, we don't understand, you know, we don't understand what you're saying. So why don't you go back to the drawing board and try again, or come back and say you don't know what you're talking about because what you're saying indicates you don't know what you're talking about, or you don't know how to speak intelligibly at the very least. Um, and yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, in Sproul's book, he alludes to a man named Arthur Kessler who wrote, as long as chance rules, God is an anachronism. Anachronism basically means he's out of date, okay? He's just kind of, you know, uh, past his time. Sproul, got, Sproul uh, went on to say that he agreed with that insofar as it goes, right? But he, he, his only problem with that, and might be seem pedantic, but he just thought that he didn't go far enough. What he said... Um, uh, yeah, he made the point that chance doesn't have to rule to make God an anachronism. It would merely have to exist. Let me read. I wanted to read this small portion. And just so you know, I, I wanted to read a bigger portion later, but we're not going to. Uh, I think we can make the point uh, for this session without doing that. And I'm just going to implore you to read more. But this specific part I did want to uh, just share with you real quickly. Yeah, as long as chance, yeah, I already read that, uh, we can go, we can go uh, further than Kessler. It's not necessary for chance to rule in order to supplant God. Indeed, chance requires little authority at all if it, is, if it is to depose God. All it needs to do the job is to exist. The mere existence of chance is enough to rip God from his cosmic throne. Chance does not need to rule. It does not need to be sovereign. If it exists as a mere impotent, humble servant, it leaves God not only out of date, but out of a job. The principal argument for this session is that chance doesn't exist. There is no such thing as chance. Okay, we're, we're gonna see that, but that's the principal argument, okay. Okay, first example. Just so you know, uh, I like to use my own examples. You know, uh, they can be kind of similar to others. So I'm gonna tell you a story. When I, I went to college for just a semester, so I'm not gonna pretend like I, you know, <laughs> got, you know, any much college education. Anyway, when I was going to uh, college, I took speech. One of my classes was speech, and we, we were, you know, obviously uh, directed to 
come up with a speech. Initially, what I wanted to do uh, was uh, on Plato. Remember the chair I first told you? Uh, so his idea in real reality and forms and all the rest. Anyway, so I was talking to this junk, this kid, um, this young man, and uh, and you know, so we're uh, kind of bouncing back and forth our, our initial ideas. And so I was telling him about Plato's ideas in, in, in realisms and all of that, receptacles, all of that kind of stuff. And he was just lost. He was just lost. He was, you know, he, whatever. I, I, just long story short, trying to make this short, I, I ended up uh, doing my speech on Augustine. I wanted to do it on Augustine. And he was surprised by that. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody, a lot of people liked it. Anyway, so he came up, he came up to me after the class and this other, these other two girls. But he, he was a little surprised. He was taken aback. Um, he, he didn't realize I was a Christian. And once he did, he... He was surprised because he, you know, I guess he considered my, me to be some sort of, you know, have some sort of inte intellect, and he thought it was absurd that I believed in Christianity. So we had a little bit back and, fo back and forth, you know, it was a pleasant conversation. And so we eventually got into creation, you know, creation versus uh, the Big Bang. And, and you know, I, through all this discussion, I basically asked, you know, how did the universe begin? And he said, by chance. Fortunately, I just read this book and all this kind of a thing, and so I used pretty much the very same example that he that uh, Sproul did. So I was like, "Oh, it was created by chance, was it?" He's like, "Yeah." And so I pulled out a quarter. Back then, you were still using cash, so I had a quarter, you know. And 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 I said, "Now tell me, if I were if I were to flip this coin right now, what are the chances it lands? You know, assuming it doesn't." fall on its side, you know, what are the chances it either uh, lands heads or tails? And you said 100% because there were only two options. It's like, very good. What are the chances it, it lands either heads or tails? He said 50-50. I said, good. And I said, now, now let's, let's assume we have a controlled environment, right, where, where, we, where we set this experiment in a vacuum. We, we, set the head, we set the coin on some sort of armature, always heads up. And again, this is so th this vacuum controls the density in the air, and the same exact amount of force ex is exerted on the coin, and, and it's always fall it goes the exact same height, it rotates the exact same amount, and it falls in the exact same spot. Could you increase your likelihood of it coming up either heads or tails? And he said, Of course. And I said, Yeah, because chance didn't do it. Chance doesn't. So what caused the coin to either fall, come up heads or tails is exactly what I was saying. How much force is exerted with the thumb, how, how high it goes, how many rotations it goes, whether you catch it here, 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 whether you let it fall to the ground, whether you catch it, whether you flip it over, all of those things factor into whether or not the, heads, the, t uh, the coin comes up heads or tails. Chance has no power to do this. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah. Oh gosh. All right. Yeah. Now, uh, now we know with some of those variables, we don't have time to examine every every time. We know that the coin's going to come up either 50-50. Now, there's nothing wrong with the word chance to describe mathematical possibilities. The problem comes when we attribute it to actually existing, to, to a being that has power. And again, we're going to get into this. But it, but, it, but it becomes synonymous with what are the odds? You know, what are the chances that something can happen? And we use this in, in popular jargon even today. Like we speak of 
chance encounters. And that's our next example. Remember when we went to the Gaylord for Christmas uh, with Pops and everybody else? Um, and when we were walking through the uh, uh, courtyard, were they with us? Yeah. Okay, while we were walking through the courtyard, through a mass, a tomb of humanity, there's <laughs> all around, you know, and we're going through a specific part, and all of a sudden we hear, Sarah? And we turn around, and it's Sarah's brother. Sarah's brother lives in Ada, Oklahoma. We see him every once in a while. They talk, and, you know, they keep in contact, more or less, but we had no idea each other, you know, the other one was going to be there. He, he happened to come at the same time we came. And not only that, we were in the courtyard together at the same time. We went through the same path, you know, somehow at the same time. He managed to glance over and actually notice that it was her, you know. And so all of these things converged. And, 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 and what are the odds of that? That's incredible. That, that, that's incredible. But chance did not cause the encounter. Again, what caused the encounter was, was you know, basically, again, a confluence of different, different occasions that, that converged in time and space, and that's how we met. But chance had no causal agency in making that happen. We, we call it a chance, or chance encounter because we didn't intend to see Curtis there. We didn't know he was going to be there. So there's no intention. There's no intentionality. That's why we call it chance. Because we just didn't meet, you know, we didn't set out for that. But we happened to be at the same place at the same time. <laughs> again, chance didn't do anything. Um, again, you know, uh, chance is fine when, you're, when we're talking about mathematical possibilities. And again, when the problem comes when you're actually giving causal power. And so when I was talking to this student and I asked him if he understood, you know, chance has no uh, power to produce anything, he agreed and he literally smacked himself in the head because he was so devastated. He was so easily duped, basically. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's easy whenever you're trying to find an alternative to theism to find one. You, they'll be absurd, but, but all they're looking for is a viable option. And if some scientific professor is, is using all this scientific jargon to explain that chance created stuff, you know, it's going it's e it's to be easier to, to accept. Again, we're going to see that a little bit uh, more as we go along. Uh, you know, we, we'd have, uh, you know, some conversations after that, but unfortunately I didn't keep in touch with him, so I don't know what his cosmological philosophy is right now. Um, but in any case, when it comes to uh, the science of ontology, what I was saying to that gentleman was the ontological status of chance is zero. Chance is not a thing. Chance has no being. Chance is not a thing that can act on another thing. <laughs> you know, it's simply a mental concept of the mathematical possibilities. But in and of itself, it has no ontology. It has no being. Now, this book has being to it. Okay, it has some form of being. Now, what form of, the, of that essence or substance can keep physicists and philosophers bitterly, busily, you know, determining what that is for centuries. But we all agree that this book exists. It, it's real. It's not an illusion. 
Now, again, the form of that uh, might, uh, might, might change. And honestly, the history of uh, science, even scientists and philosophers would always say, chance is the word you use when you can't explain it, basically. When you, when you, when you don't have the opportunity to uh, do your homework and actually analyze these things, you just throw chance out to explain something. Um, and yeah, um, uh, but uh, yeah. And remember, you know, as far as the book existing, my argument was if something exists, necessarily God exists. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, um, and we'll see that in the next couple weeks. So what I'm saying is that this book has some ontological status to it. It's a thing. It has existence. It's real rather than an illusion. It, I have ontological status. I am, an ontolo I am a being. I'm not the supreme being. I'm not the infinite being, but I'm a human being, but I have, I, 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 there, there was a time where I was not, and there's going to be a time where I die, and, you know, and this being will be another being in some other form, okay, but this being is dying, it's perpetually changing, um, but, you know, we have being, uh, chance has no being, chance is not a thing, um, yeah, so again, chance doesn't have any power because for power to exist or to operate, it has to come from a being. It has to come. Power has to be generated from something. Power doesn't just come out of nothing. And again, what we're saying is chance is not a thing. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you might say, you know, we we played games of chance all the time. You know, things like po poker and blackjack, and and a lot of people. No, like these mathematical equations, like people can count cards. You've seen Rain Man, unfortunately, I'm sure y'all haven't, it's a great flick. Anyway, uh, he, he, he's able to count all the cards, so he kind of knows what's coming, kind of a thing. So you can kind of increase the odds where you can kind of become more proficient in a game like uh, Blackjack in particular, or poker, things like that. But again, what, what causes that though, is the, the, the way the cards are arranged before they're shuffled and then how they're dealt the second time they're arranged and shuffled and how they're dealt. And so I don't know necessarily what I'm getting because of those different variations. However, again, you can, can increase the odds as it were, the more and more you can calculate the odds to your favor. Does that make sense? All right. Um, yeah, let's see, okay. Okay. Yeah, because there is no such invisible power called chance, because again, chance has no being. And since it has no being, it has no power. Okay, what I was telling that gentleman is that chance is not a thing that, that can exercise power. And I asked if he agreed, and he agreed. Now, let me say this another way. So chance is not a thing. So chance is no thing. Now, let me say it faster. Chance is no thing. Let me say it faster. Chance is no thing. Let me say it faster. Chance is nothing. And if you attribute chance to causation, what you're saying analytically is that the universe came out of nothing. Because again, chance is nothing. And we've already talked about how absurd it is to suggest anything coming out of nothing. Okay. Um, yeah, and these people aren't only attributing some power to chance. They're attributing like the superior power to chance, of, namely causal, the causal agent of everything, all of reality. I mean, that's absurd. Um, 
And, and uh, yeah, and that's why I say this concept under five minutes, that's really why I didn't want to spend so much time on this. Under five minutes of, uh, of uh, you know, consideration, this manifests its own absurdity. Uh, but if you conceal it in, in scientific terms and scientific jargon, you can get away with this stuff. And that's what, I mean, that's what, and, and in history, there was a time where, where <clears throat> scientists said that you could change normal metal into gold. And that was actually believed for centuries because they used it, they used scientific jargon to legitimize it, to explain it, even though it was tacitly nonsense. But if you can use scientific language, be keen of that, recognize that. If it's absurd, it's absurd. You don't have to be a scientist to recognize that. You just have to be, again, a, 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 a rudimentary logician. You just need to know the four main principles of epistemology that we've been <laughs> repeating and repeating and repeating, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, again, uh, no matter how you look at it, when you attribute power to chance, uh, you're saying that chance, yeah, that you're just speaking nonsense. Uh, and, and if you do say chance is something, then I would have to ask, what is it? How much does it weigh? Is it extended? Is it not extended? What power, from what power does all this come? And if you say chance, again, you're speaking nonsense because chance is nothing. Now, when it came to the supreme idea of chance, um, we see people like Niel Bohr. So an example uh, for uh, chance. So Niel Bohr, uh, born in 1885, died in 1962. It's been a little while since uh, we looked at some Latin, so I figured I'd throw this in. On his, uh, um, uh, you know, suit of art, what is it called? Uh, um, yeah, on his coat of arms, he had contraria sunt complementaria. That means uh, contradictions. What is it? Are complementary. Yeah, are complementary. So what he would he was he would always accept both sides of the contradiction. Remember where we were talking about people like that? And I don't remember what study it was, but he would embrace both sides of a contradiction, which drove Einstein nuts. Because when he would talk these, this way, what Einstein would say, when he's, when he's talking about embracing both sides of a contradiction, not only does he cease to be logical, he ceases being a scientist. Okay? All right. Okay. Now, this is what I was going to spend a little bit of time on. This is Werner Heisenberg. He came up with the Heisenberg indeterminacy principle, so I'm just try, I'm going to try to give this to you briefly. This is where, so quantum mechanics first began in a certain way, but, but it really took off with this. What happens in this experiment, in a certain experiment, is a photon bumps into a, 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 an atom, and an electron will intervene a certain space without actually going through that space. It'll disappear and it'll reappear over here, okay? And so they're wondering what is that is. And so Niels Bohr would say chance. It's just by chance, you know? It's just, and, and, and others would say, see, this is, this, is, this is lending itself to things coming out of nothing, okay? Now, there are many different ways you can articulate this, okay? Many different ways, um, you know? You can say, as you do these experiments, you know, I don't really know what's going on. You know, we don't have any, uh, you know, current scientific explanation for these. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't have a scientific paradigm that can explain what's going on here. But what you can't say is that nothing is causing it. 
What you can't say is chance is causing it. Because again, that is manifestly absurd. That is illogical. That is impossible. Again, it's one thing for you to say, I don't know. For you to come after your experimentation and, and you say, I don't know what's going on here. That's something, that's something that should happen in physics. That's something that ha should happen in chemistry. That's something that should happen in philosophy. That's something that should happen in theology. That is the hallmark of true investigation. All right? Um, all right. And so I, I just, that's all I really wanted. Again, I really wanted to go into this more, but I, I'm just, I, I think the concept of chance, I think we've made the point. And so if you want to study these, you know, uh, you, you're more than welcome to. I, I, I of course, uh, uh, definitely encourage you to do that. Um, let me see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, it's quite another thing to say nothing is producing the effect because in order to know that, you yourself would actually have to be omniscient. You would actually have to know every feasible alternative. And so uh, you would have to be yourself... Uh, um, uh, omniscient um, and omnipotent, omnipotent. Um, so that something comes from nothing because it's yeah, it's a nonsense statement. It's myth. It's mythological. This is the worst kind of mythology, and that's what this is. Creation by chance is the modern myth of our time, and it needs to be. It needs to go away, and it needs to be seen as just a myth. It's just this fairy tale. It's not a thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's myth. It's mythological. It's bad science to attribute self-creation under any name. Remember, rose by any other name is still a rose. This is self-creation with a vengeance with a different name. Okay. All right. Any questions? I already got it. I got it. Am animated. You like that? <laughs> Anybody have any questions? We're good. Yeah, yes, that's true. All right, this one's gonna take a little bit longer. I want to, um, I wanted to uh, give kind of both accounts of this. Um, so I want you to pay attention because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna review everything he's saying in here. So I want you to pay attention and listen to what he's saying. Again, he's still going on through his conversion, and and I wanted to, but we're gonna keep on this uh, track. Um, okay. Finally, in the very fever of my indecision, I made many motions with my body like men do when they, will, when they will to act but cannot, either because they do not have the limbs or because their limbs are bound or weakened by disease or incapacitated in some other way. Thus, if I tore my hair, struck my forehead, or entwining my fingers clasped by my knee, these I did because I willed it, but I might have willed it and still not have done it if the nerves had not obeyed my will. Many things that I did in which the will and power to do were not the same. Yet I did not do that one thing which seemed to me infinitely more desirable, which before long I should have power to will, because shortly when I willed, I would will with a single will. For in this, the power of willing is the power of doing, and as yet I could not do it. Thus my body more readily obeyed the slightest wish of, my, of the soul in moving its limbs at the border of my mind, and my soul obeyed itself to accomplish in the will alone its great resolve. How can there be such a strange anomaly? And why is it? Let thy mercy shine on me that I may, I may inquire and find an answer amid the dark labyrinth of human punishment and in the darkest contritions of the sons of Adam. Whence such, such an anomaly? And why should it be? 
The mind commands the body and the body obeys. The mind commands itself and is resisted. The mind commands the hand to be moved and there is such, a, and the, and there is such readiness that the command is scarcely distinguished from the obedience in act. Yet the mind is mind and the hand is body. The, bo the mind commands the mind to will and yet uh, though it be itself it does not obey itself. Whence this strange anomaly, why should it be? I repeat, the will commands itself to will, and could not give the command unless it wills. Yet what is commanded is not done. But actually the will does not will entirely, therefore it, is not, it does not command it entirely. For as far as it wills, it commands. And commands, uh, and, yeah, and as far as it does not will, the thing commanded is not done. For the will commands that there be an act of will, not another but itself, but it does not command entirely. Therefore, what is commanded does not happen. For if the will were whole and entire, it would not, would not have, it would not even command it to be, because it would already be. It is therefore no strange anomaly, partly to will and partly to be unwilling. This is actually an infirmity of mind, which cannot wholly rise, while pressed down by habit, even though it is supported by the truth. And so there are two wills, because one of them is not whole, and what is present in the one is lacking in the other. Okay, I hope you kind of paid, paid attention there. What he's basically saying is. When he's willing his body to move, you know, me commanding my body to do this, the, the obedience of my arm is almost indistinguishable to my will in it to do so, right? But when I'm trying to will myself to do something which is right, when my will is also telling me I want to do something wrong, and I'm willing it and commanding it to do that which is right, and it still decides to do <laughs> that which is wrong, it's incredible. The mind can control the arm and there's not a distinction in, in, in the act and in the will, right? Where in the mind, there is clear difference, a clear distinction because we're sinners. It, the mind is broken. We're broken and that's why we have this wrestling. The mind should be able to will and act just as we move our limbs unless they're incapacitated and so forth. Okay? Praise God. Any questions on that? Alright. No, that was good. Sum it up, though. <clears throat> good. Thank you. Alright. Go over here. Stop that bad boy.